Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost Floors Church. And can you believe we're only a week away from Christmas? I, I do want to invite you, if you're anywhere close to our area here in Carlsbad, California, to come to our Christmas Eve service next Friday evening. It's going to be a beautiful evening. We're going to actually have a Christmas choir uh, that's going to sing. It's going to be a candlelight service. We're very excited for you to join us, and uh, hopefully you can. If not, if you're somewhere else in the world, thank you for joining in as we continue in our Christmas series. And today I just want to point out something that just kind of amazed me this week, is that for some 2,700 years, so 2,700 plus years, really, people have been writing about, talking about, singing about Christmas, <laughs> or at least Jesus's birth. And it's it's interesting to me, because you go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 9, so over 700 years before Jesus is born, and Isaiah writes this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I, I love that. It, the The shepherds, they got serenaded by the angels, and the angels saying this, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So we have Isaiah writing that he's the Prince of Peace. We have the angel singing that he's going to bring peace to the earth. Now, our Christmas songs that we sing today are much different, and, and obviously they're fun, right? But it's interesting to me that some of the lyrics, the jingle bells, oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. I don't know. I've never ridden in one. doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but I, I guess it could be. And, and then there's the most wonderful time of the year. And just listen to this. There's Parties for hosting, marshmallows for roasting, and caroling out in the snow, which just sounds cold, honestly, and scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long ago. I don't know. We just sing them every year. They don't always make perfect sense, but my favorite, I just heard the other day, and I had to look up the lyrics, but it, Frank Sinatra, my dad's favorite, Oh, by gosh, by golly. <laughs> Sounds pretty innocent, right? Oh, by gosh, by golly, it's time for mistletoe and holly, tasty pheasants, and Christmas presents, countryside's covered with snow. I, I've never eaten pheasant. I, I know people do, but I guess it just rhymed with presents. It works. And, and so we know all of these Christmas songs. There's so many of them. There's ones that we base literally out of some of the words the angels saying. And so there's some good stuff there. But it just is amazing to me that for 2,700 years, people have been writing and talking and singing about, about Jesus. And a lot of it is about the peace that he brings. And we always view Christmas as a peaceful time, a time of, of oh, holy night, right? But what's interesting is Jesus didn't really bring that much peace. Not too long after he was born, 
if you remember, Herod was furious because the, the wise men had come through Jerusalem and, and told him they were looking for the king of the Jews. And after a while, he realized the wise men weren't coming back. And he ordered that every baby two years old and younger around Bethlehem and the old, whole vicinity to be executed to make sure that the king of the Jews was, was killed. Herod was an evil man. I read this week that when he was about to die, he knew that no one in the land would mourn for him. And so he had his troops round up a lot of the well-to-do people in the area and bring them to jail. And they were ordered that when Herod died, that they were to be executed so that there would be mourning in the land. So he was going to kill innocent people just so people would mourn. Because he knew that no one would mourn for him. I mean, that's that's a level of evil that we can't quite grasp. But that's that was the day and age that Jesus was born into. And we talked about last week that just some 30 years after the death of Jesus, the Jewish people revolt and they take over Jerusalem only to be defeated and the temple completely destroyed. John the Baptist, who preceded Jesus, he was executed and beheaded. And we know that Jesus was tried and killed on the cross. That doesn't sound like peace to me. You see, we define peace as this, freedom from disturbance or harmony and tranquility. Freedom from disturbance and this harmony. We, we view peace as, hey, it's quiet no one's bothering me, all is good, right? That's how we define peace. And if we look at our world today, at the holiday season, if maybe it's just me, but I don't find much peace in the holiday season. I find it stressful. I love going to parties. I, I love doing that type of stuff, but doing it too much throughout the week, it gets stressful. Uh, money is stressful. Figuring out what to buy, who is stressful. It, it can be a stressful time of year. And, and quite often, I go to the mall here in Carlsbad or anywhere around here. I've never seen so many people in one place, and it is not peaceful. <laughs> not at all. Uh, sitting in traffic is not peaceful. So again, we have Isaiah telling us the son is going to be born, and, and that he will be called a wonderful counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Here's what I would like to point out today. Is I believe the peace that Jesus brought is, is different than the peace we talk about today. Uh, the peace that Jesus brought is better than the peace that we look for today. In fact, the word that is used here in Isaiah is a Hebrew word, and it's shalom. And shalom has a much deeper meaning. It's actually a theological concept. You can find the word over 180 times just in the Old Testament alone. It, the Jewish people today, they use it for a greeting. As we would say, hey, what's up? Or hi, or hello, or whatever we want to say. It, it depends who you're talking to and where you're at in the world. But our greetings are pretty much that, a handshake or a high five. And, but the Jewish people, they say shalom. And it's returned, shalom. And, and that word can actually be translated into 
do you have peace? It's a pretty deep question, right? And then the person coming back is, do you have peace? And, and so this, you know, we greet each other. Hey, how are you today? And the person could actually respond and tell you how they're doing, but we're not looking for that. We're just looking for, hey, how you doing? And we move on. Kind of the same thing is here. Do you have peace? Or do you have time to listen to my life? <laughs> I'll tell you if I have peace or not. It's a pretty, that's a pretty deep uh, greeting to each other. But here's the thing about shalom. Shalom is is better than peace. It's it's deeper. It's bigger. And, and so shalom involves wholeness or completeness. It, it talks about fulfilling a vow or completing a relationship. When I think of shalom, I think of a wholeness. So to compare again our idea of peace and the idea of shalom, if two countries are at war and they come to a peace agreement, in our world, a peace agreement between two warring countries means you're not going to shoot at each other anymore. You're not going to try to kill each other. It doesn't mean you now love each other. It doesn't mean you're friends. It means you're still enemies, but right now we have peace. There's no shooting going on. But if you made shalom with somebody, if you made shalom, you now have this mutual agreement between the two. And it's not just peace, but it is a whole repairing of the relationship. In fact, if you have shalom with someone, you now join forces together and you fight with them. You see how shalom is so much different than peace. If we go all the way back to Genesis, we can find shalom in the garden. Just read through Genesis chapter 1 and 2 as, as you have the creation story unfold. And, and here you have Adam and Eve. And they've got this beautiful relationship. It's a whole. It's a complete relationship. It's, it's, it's good. And Adam and Eve have that same relationship with God. It says they walked in the cool of the evening with God. That, to me, just seems like the most peaceful thing that you could do. Husband and wife walking with their God in the garden. And it's just beautiful and it's complete. And so you see this, this beautiful relationship here. And the other thing about Adam and Eve is they each had their own jobs, they had their own roles, and they were completely okay with who God created them to be. And so you can read between the lines here and you can see this beautiful relationship that Adam and Eve have with God, that Adam and Eve have with each other, and what they have with themselves. They're okay with who they are. They love who God created them to be. It's like this whole circle, a complete circle. And then you go to chapter 3 of Genesis. And I just want to read to you what the serpent says to Eve. He's tempting her and Adam to eat the fruit. And Eve says, no, I, you know, I'm pretty sure God said if we eat this that we'll die. And here's how the serpent responds. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced, 
She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. In this moment, in the lie of Satan, Eve all of a sudden went from being completely okay with who she was to going, wait a minute, you know, I could know what God knows. I could have that kind of wisdom. And in that moment, she decided she was no longer okay with who she was. And, and so she eats this fruit and we have the fall. You see, Adam and Eve all of a sudden wanted to be someone else. And immediately it damaged the relationship with God. That They ran and they hid from God and they covered themselves up in embarrassment. Again, this picture of they're not okay with who they are. And their relationship with each other became a struggle from that point on. It was damaged. All three relationships were damaged. You see, what was once whole in the garden was now broken. I, I see shalom as being actually three parts. And, and, and you picture a circle. In this beautiful circle, when it is whole, it's all good. And it's, it's in three parts. It's, it's do we have peace with ourselves? Do we have shalom with ourselves? Do we have peace with God? <laughs> are, are we in love with? with God and then with others. It could be anybody. We're, we're not going to have shalom with every human on earth. But we're going to have those that are close to us, our, our spouse, our, our closest friends, our family. Do we have shalom there? And when each of these is together and you have this, this shalom in each of these areas, you have this complete circle. If one area is lacking, there's not a completeness to it. You leave one section of this of this complete circle out. And you see what shalom really is, is it's taking what is broken and it's restoring it to wholeness. It's taking what is broken and it's restoring it to wholeness. And so now when you think about this child is born and he's the prince of shalom, and the angel sang, and all of a sudden you, they say, you're going to have shalom on earth. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be any more war. What it means is that you and I can have peace. We can have peace with our God. We can have peace with ourselves. We can have peace with others, which makes us complete, and it gives us shalom. All of us, we, we need to look at these three areas. What's your relationship with God like? Do you have a relationship with God? It begins with believing and believing that he actually wants a relationship with you. And when you realize that this God sent his son, Jesus, to repair this relationship, to fix our relationship with him. What is your relationship with God like? Do you need to work on that? Do you need to seek him out? What about others? Do you have a relationship with some close friends, with your spouse, with your family? Is it a good relationship? Is it healthy? Is it strong? We need those relationships. We need each other. 
And that doesn't mean everybody you come in contact with is your close friend. That's not healthy either. But you need a close inner circle of friends that you can trust, that trust you. And that's a complete, it's a whole friendship. And then there's you. <laughs> there's you. How do you feel about you? I had this thought a while back, just this idea of if I could change anything about me, what would I change? And it's interesting, I had a whole list of things. <laughs> and then I thought, man, God created me. Created me just as I am. Now I make some poor decisions sometimes and do some dumb things sometimes, but all in all, God loves me. My wife loves me, my kids love me, and sometimes I wonder why. But I have to be okay with me. I have to be okay with how God created me. If I want to have a completeness in other relationships and a completeness in my relationship with God. You remember grown-up Jesus when they asked him what was the most important thing? What was the most important commandment? And he responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's three aspects there. You love God. You love your neighbor, which is anyone. <laughs> but you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself and who God created you to be, it's very difficult to love other people. And you can see those three sections, they all have to be, they all have to be complete so that the circle can be complete. I believe deep down we all want shalom. We all want this peace. And this week, I literally stumbled across Psalm 46. It was a friend of mine sent me a, a verse and I started reading it and it has nothing to do with Christmas. But I feel like it has everything to do with shalom. And I want to start it. It starts off in verse one with this idea, this picture of God. And I want to read it to you. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. <laughs> so basically the writer of this is saying, hey, when all this bad stuff's happening, it's okay. Because God is our refuge. God is our strength. And so we live in this world of unrest and, and it's the same as the same world that Jesus came into. It's no better, no worse. There is unrest. There is not peace as we want peace. But we can have shalom in the midst of it. Last week we talked about Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, when the earthquakes come, our world is shaken. God is with us. And then we go on in verse 10 through 11. And the writer says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. 
and the God of Israel is our fortress. The Lord of heaven's armies is among us. You remember Jesus came and they named him Emmanuel. God is with us. I, I love that. When's the last time you sat and were still and you just knew that God was God? <laughs> In my opinion, that's where I find shalom. That's where it starts. I want this shalom. I want to be still before God and be reminded that he is with me no matter what's going on in the world. You remember when Jesus and the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. A storm is raging around them. The disciples are terrified. There is no peace. <laughs> they wake up Jesus. He immediately calms the storm. Tells us to be still. And it happens. And he scolds his disciples. Like, what, where's your faith? In other words, this storm's raging. We're going to die. And Jesus is saying, hey, just relax. And remember that I am God. You can be still. Because I am with you. No matter what is going on in your life, you can have shalom. You can have a completeness and a wholeness no matter what. Because God is with.